Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham and welcome to the BG Podcast. I want to welcome our guest, Randy Clark, the CEO and president of Capital Metro, Austin's Transit Authority. Welcome to the show, Randy. Hey, AJ. Thanks for having me, man. Good seeing you. Good seeing you virtually. As always, we're being we're recording this remotely uh, as we had the last several uh, months of the COVID pandemic. So thank you for joining us virtually, Randy. I know you have a lot going on. Um, but for one, actually, I want to do a belated congratulations on your second year anniversary with the in, in Austin and this and with the authority. Right now, yeah, that was March, you. right? Loving, loving it. It's a I, I am so privileged for this opportunity. It's just, you know, I, I the organization's great. The city's great. People, like, it's the friendliest place there is. Like, since I left Canada, this is the friendliest place I've, I've lived. It's, people are just that's, awesome here. That's a high bar. That's a high bar. It is. Canadian, Canadians is, like, maybe the top of the bar. Uh, but I will say people in Austin are just really genuinely good people, and uh, it's a really great place to live. Yeah, well, well, quick recap, Randy. Where most recently did you come from? And just for those who aren't familiar with uh, your background, uh, what, what prior roles you have prior to coming to the city's leadership role? Yeah, uh, well, maybe chronologically because I did say Canada. So I grew—I actually grew up in Canada. I uh, went to grad school in the U.S. Uh, most of my family still lives all in Canada. But grad school in the U.S. in uh, Southern Maine, actually in Portland, uh, did an internship uh, at, a, at a council of governments that focused on transportation planning in a big special event thing where transportation. Uh, I was doing public policy and planning my master's got into transportation, kind of fell into it, never, it was never my thing. And, uh, and then um, got, got uh, a job at the Volpe Center in, Bo- in Boston, which is the main research center for USDOT. A lot of time there, did some consulting, then worked at the MBTA, which is a big transit authority up in the Boston area, which is uh, significantly larger than we have in Austin. And the oldest uh, subway actually in America, 1897 was the first train they put in a tunnel. So when someone says they can't do trains and tunnels in Austin, uh, they, they, they pulled up 125 years ago. I'm pretty sure we could figure it out here. No, um, no. But I uh, did that for a while. Uh, incredible experience. I left as the deputy COO and then went to D.C. and uh, was at APTA, which is the American Public Transportation Association, which is the trade association for all of transit around um, America. And I did that. Um, I want to learn a lot more of the sausage making in D.C., uh, know all the federal players, know the congressional players, understand the regulatory framework a little bit better, um, you know, funding formulas, all that kind of stuff. And then I got this amazing opportunity, and I thank the board um, for giving me this opportunity. And that community's been very gracious and welcoming um, uh, me, uh, my wife, and we really, really like it here. And the Cap Metro staff, um, just a great, great group of people that work incredibly hard every day. So I, I, I got a lot of great colleagues that I'm, I'm just really, really happy to to have this opportunity and I'm really enjoying it. Well, good. Uh, and we're glad we're happy. We're glad to have you here. It's been a, again, a fast two years and <laughs> that, it and is fast. fast and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew it was going to be uh, a busy job. I, I, I won't lie to you. There's some days where, and I, I think people that got to know me know I, I run on a, a 10 out of 10 all day. I wake up, I wake up ready to go and I live my life that way. But even, even me, there's been a couple of days where I'm saying, Oh, I could use a quiet day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's all right. That's what makes it uh, what yeah. we do, the reason our stuff is so busy is what we do really impacts people every day. Like mm-hmm. every single day. Like today we'll move 
even with the COVID, I'm sure you want to talk about COVID, but we're still going to move 40, 42,000 people today during, you know, th this, and that is beyond essential to those individuals, literally life, you know, access for those individuals. So what we do every day is so meaningful to our community that I don't, to me, it's not really work. It's, it's a passion of uh, interest and love. Yeah. Well, on COVID, what has been, I mean, it's affected every, every, you know, every, every person's life, every, you know, industry, public sector, private sector, for Cap Metro, just uh, what has been, where, where you felt the most impact and then where some of the responses y'all have had to just, for again, for folks who y'all are their lifeline to getting to their jobs, to, you know, HEB to grocery stores, to just anywhere around town, right? They don't have mobility, but for y'all, um, what are things or things y'all have instituted uh, just to combat all of this? Sure. Yeah, I would say we're, we're clearly one of the industries most impacted by COVID. There's no question. The nature of our business is to put a lot of individuals in a space because that's that's how cities have to work. They have to be efficient, right? Um, and we can sure talk about traffic and other things later. Um, so it's a different concept for a transit industry. Um, but but what's what's really what we kind of focused on is uh, you know two lenses, and I would say in our whole recovery and improvement plan based on COVID is focused on two lenses: safety and equity. And that's how uh, transit fundamentally is great at public policy-wise anyway. But uh, double down on those themes. So one, you know, we we had our continuity of operations plan. We we started talking about this actually in uh, February, late February, and. Uh, trying to, you know, activate our plans and start preparing. And, you know, at that point, it was very nebulous. No one knew what was going on here or there. Uh, and it's still very uh, fluid, right? Uh, the information today is a lot different than even three or four weeks ago. But our team got, you know, um, set up. We did some, uh, we have a great remote work system, and we doubled down on that for all of our individuals that couldn't uh, work remotely. And then 80% of our staff, obviously, is not working remotely. They, they deliver service every day. Uh, we did a lot of redundancy planning to, um, to make sure control centers were separate, all those kind of things for credit, especially single point failure aspects in, in, in our system. But then we really focused on the customers and our staff on the operations side. So uh, we already do a lot of cleaning, but we really invested heavily on medical grade uh, disinfecting cleaning at a whole different level, including uh, during, the, during the day uh, to catch buses out on the street, which we never did before. We instituted rear door boarding and went free fare for April and May uh, to, again, less interaction with our operators and people get on and off faster. We did things like spacing on the seats to keep people separated. We did spacing on sidewalks where the bus stops are, um, face, face covering requirements. And obviously, that was a very confusing time, right? Uh, at the start, it was don't wear face coverings. You could touch your face too much. You might get more sick. CDC was up and down. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think it's caused a pretty significant amount of confusion. I don't blame CDC. I think it could have been done better, but at the end of the day, I think that they were running on certain information and people were also worried about PPE supply. But, you know, we, we got into the mask business early and are working incredibly collaborative with our union uh, uh, partners, our ATU union partners, um, PPE, like you can't imagine. Uh, our, our procurement team did an amazing job. We sourced PPE. We did so well at securing PPE, we actually provided masks to Austin EMS, who was short for a period of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we just, we were well prepared and the team executed really well on our response plans. Uh, but the whole thing was, again, the lens of safety. How do we keep people separated on the vehicles? 
while still provide and safety for our staff and we're installing safety barriers and plexiglass and all that stuff around operators uh, we did three weeks of supplemental sick leave for all of our staff so they didn't feel any pressure coming to work we want them if you feel ill or family members ill don't come to work we did a special service recognition bonus for all of our frontline staff because they're out there just doing you know a lot of the big theme in the industry around the world right now is heroes moving heroes and our people are just doing a fantastic job and we want to recognize them for for what they do um, and then, you know, we, we really wanted to think about as we come back, if you will come back, because we never left, right? We were still transporting even our lowest day, 35, 36,000 people a day. And you mentioned, you know, HEB. These are people that, you know, I, it really, really bothers me when I hear someone say, no one takes the bus. I think it's maybe one of the most elitist things that you could possibly say. The nobody that you just said takes the bus is the person that's stocking shelves at HEBs or Randalls that you went to. The nobody that you say is on the bus is the person cleaning uh, Del Seton and clean, clean the sheets or is a nurse tech. Yeah, that, that's how the normal city environment works. Lots of people take transit. And, um, and we got to get rid of this kind of attitude where if you take transit, you're like, you know, or there's no one on these vehicles. No, those are critical public good transportation service. Just like, you know, I've never called the fire department. But I want a good fire department. So why don't we need a really good public transportation system like every other, you know, big city in the world? And so we've been focused on that quite heavily of providing essential trips for the people that truly need it. And what we're doing is building our service levels back and concentrating on those people that really are transit dependent the most and need essential trips. And then we're going to keep ramping up for there based on our staff availability and staff safety. So um, really, really proud of our team. So thanks for bringing that up, AJ. So it's a little bit long answer, but just I, no, I, I, don't, I don't think the average person realizes how much like a frontline operating kind of place like us delivers to the community on a daily basis until they see these kind of things. And, and you know, a couple other quick things like, so Metro Access is our, our on-demand paratransit kind of service. Kept that going. We're, you know, a couple hundred people a day have to have life-saving dialysis. We keep working through that every day and helping those individuals. We transitioned part of our Metro Access fleet to food delivery. We were the first in the country, team did a great job, innovative idea, partnered with HEB and the food bank, and we've now delivered 250,000 meals across Central Texas to the most vulnerable in our community. So people that are either elderly or mobility uh, impaired or some other uh, issue that they may not be able to get out as easily, we want them to be able to stay at home and stay safe. We literally partnered with the food bank and we take kits, food kits to their door contactless so they can actually be safe at home and that is just like an amazing thing now it's copied 30 40 cities all over the country yeah yeah so just great one, stuff yeah so on that note too so just from your 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 national experience what trends well let me stop real quick have you seen an increase or any shifts in ridership with uh in parallel to governor abbott's recent last announcements in april and then uh, earlier this month. Um, and I mean, it might be too early to tell data wise, um, but are you seeing if you are any kind of trends to more just increased ridership, I guess, or as more businesses are. So we see up? it. We see we're, um, so Austin's going to be a little different than like a, a Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, as an example. And it is because UT is such a core of our economic activity. Um, and, you know, we're post kind of like getting towards where normal commencement would be. And so we're naturally lower in the summer uh, than most cities. 
because we're not a pure commute. We have university. We also have a state workforce and state workforce has been most on remote work. And so as they start trickling back as well, and then lead session, you got South by, which is a big event for us. ACL is a big event for us. You put all that kind of stuff together. We, we kind of have like these peaks and valleys in our ridership, but we definitely have seen over the last week, week and a half, it's starting to come back a couple percent. Uh, it's my wife walking by at the same time. Um, couple, a couple percent uh, here or there. And on weekends, we're definitely noticing this. So what we're doing is analyzing and preparing. And we're actually have a lot of buses out there, AJ, where we'll, as uh, buses get to a level of capacity that we think is safe for capac uh, social distancing, we insert other buses to spread the load across the lines. And we're going to do that Very as good. long as we possibly can. Very good. Very good. And then what trends are you seeing nationally just from your colleagues in, uh, you know, in, in peer market softs and, you know, Charlotte's, uh, Raleigh, Durham's, uh, Atlanta's, but also major metros like New York and Boston, uh, Toronto even. Like what are, are there things that, the, or West Coast too, Seattle, that you're seeing there that maybe best practices for the future as we get to whether that new normal is or folks are more, you know, there's more folks going back to the office uh, they're not like, especially I'm thinking like state workers and I think even yeah. like, even like their same session. Yeah. I, I, well, our industry is an incredible sharing industry, right? So we're a public good. So there is no, like, we're not like uh, fidelity and Charles Schwab competing for clients or something, right? Mm -hmm. We share our industry is like police and fire. We constantly share and work together. So when Chicago does well, we do well. And when we do well, Atlanta does well. That's, mm -hmm. you know, and in our business, the joke is you, there is no such thing as stealing. You, you attribute, but you steal all day long. If I see a good practice in Portland, Oregon, I'm going to steal that in a heartbeat because it's the right thing to do. And maybe more, more importantly, they'd say, thank you for stealing from us. That's Our industry is great like that. So we're constantly in communication. I talk to a lot of CEOs. A lot of our staff are on specific things. And our national association has been coordinating a lot of uh, lesson learned sharing webinar stuff. Um, I think we've been honestly one of the good leaders on this. Uh, we're a little different. We don't have a big heavy rail, big subway system like New York, Boston, you know, the, uh, DC. So there's some unique elements that they're dealing with that we're not. Uh, but overall, the rest of the stuff, we, we are pretty much in line with everything in the industry. And I would say we've done a fair amount of stuff that is industry leading or more advanced than, than some people in the industry. So uh, we'll just keep, we'll just keep trying to be proactive and, and on that way. But um, yeah, I don't, you said the new normal. Um, my two cents on this, I don't think the world is going to change as dramatically as some people are saying it's going to change. Mm -hmm. and, 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 I'm not, and I'm not naive to think that this is not a big deal. This is a, this is a real big deal. I think certain markets may have certain changes, but as human beings, um, we kind of want to gravitate to the norm. That's just how we are. And a good example of that would be, you know, for two months, everyone's saying how the world's changing. Well, then uh, some of these states have barely opened up. And you see these pictures where everyone, like bars are yeah. packed on the street. The lake so, and everything. So, you know, yeah. it doesn't take long because we're, we're social creatures. We want to be close to other people. We want to be engaged. So I am very bullish on the future of transit. Um, cities cannot work without good transit. It's just, it's a game of geometry. It's a game, you know, you can't deal with equity and climate change and traffic and good economic development if you don't have a robust transit system. So, you know, I think we're gonna have advances in technology. New York's working on some really cool uh, things right now with some specialized labs on certain sprays that could kill germs for a 90 day period. 
which probably we needed anyway. So I think we're going to have a, a lot of advancements in, in cleaning technology. But I don't buy, you know, after 9-11, people said, I'm never going to fly and I'm never going to work in a tall building again. Well, that lasted like this long because that's a complete disconnect from who we are as a society. So my personal belief is we're not going to change as much as people think we're going to change. And I think we'll evolve a couple nuances. I think, you know, some people might telecommute a little bit more. But if we gain three, four, five percent more people telecommuting, that's great. It helps level off the peaks, both for road use and transit. And that's a positive. But the idea that 50, 70 percent of people are going to telecommute is just, to me, not even remotely possible. Like, it's just not that that's not how our world works. And, and it's not a technology thing. It's a human thing. We want to be this is great. You and I talking this way. We'd much rather do this live. I would definitely like being uh, in room talking about this right now with you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the feature, feature of transit, I want to segue into Project Connect and what, um, you know, this was a campaign that it kicked off about a year, I think about a year ago. I remember we were at the downtown kickoff event early morning and uh, a few folks were talking about it. You know, it was uh, bringing Austin or bringing Austin forward, I think it was a campaign. In any event, Project Connect, it's still ongoing, even in all of this. And for those who aren't familiar with it, I want to give you a chance to talk about what it is. Um, and what you're hoping to accomplish in, in November on the election. Yeah, so I'll separate. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. So I'll just say first, projectconnect.com is, is the actual website where all the technical information. I would separate what we're doing into, you used the word campaign and you were used the word November election. So I won't talk about either of those because that's not my job. My job is the staff, gotcha. right? So, but, so I'll break it down in this way. Uh, Project Connect is a transit expansion plan for public transportation plan for Austin and ultimately our region. And it desperately needs to get done. We are 20 years behind on our infrastructure. So all of our peers, like a peer like Seattle, in 2016, when we passed the mobility bond here, which is the biggest of the time for $720 million, they did 54 billion. Mm -hmm. That's our peer. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we did five, we're at 10 percent what they're doing. Right. So and that's who we compete with for for, for people to come here and, and hire more people and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, Minneapolis is in the billions. Denver's in, in the billions. Phoenix is it. We're like one of the last holdouts in America to have a significant investment in a public transportation system. So what Project Connect is, is a map and all the technical work to drive that map to say on these routes or these corridors. It should be these kind of buses or it should be these kind of trains and how's the network all come together? Because the most important part of transit are stations where you get connections. So, you know, let's say you've been to DC before and you go to Metro Center. There's three or four rail lines all come together. So that means no matter where you are in the whole area, you can connect to another line because transit's not supposed to go from one thing to the other. It's supposed to connect you to the whole system. So our, our plan is super transparent. We've done six joint work sessions, maybe seven at this point between our board and the city council, it, we've engaged 40 plus thousand people so far, which is my understanding is the largest engagement effort of anything in the history of Austin. Uh, all the information's out there for anyone to look at. Uh, we said, when I, when I got hired, the board literally challenged me and said, we want you to come in here, look at what we're trying to do for this expansion plan and build two things, a data-driven process and a community supported plan. I feel incredibly good about that. So that leads up to what's gonna be on June 10th. 
So we're doing these virtual open house meetings now with part, uh, council members and bar board members. And that's all on our website. But on June 10th, our next joint meeting, we uh, anticipate action on approving what we call in our industry a system plan. And that system plan will literally say, first time ever in the history of Austin, we all agree what we want to build. So I don't know if you recall the 14 uh, campaign and the, the program here. Yes. That wasn't here. But it was pretty clear that there wasn't a lot of agreement. Uh, first of all, I lost the election pretty significantly. And some of the trans advocates were against the plan. And others were for it. And business community was here. Yeah, two different people. lines, pretty much. I think one on Guadalupe, yeah. one on... Uh, yeah. And just the Mark. process yeah. and how the data. We are... We are so far ahead of where we were from the technical analysis point. And I think we've done a great job of building a coalition of people that are actually engaged in transit and want to see this come together. So we expect action on June 10th between, so our board has to formally do that, legally take that action, but we think council will reaffirm that as a supporting transit partner. Because at the end of the day, Cap Metro doesn't have enough funding to do this on our own. That is not a financial decision. That is saying, what is it we want to build? We then have to have a new oversight governing board because we're putting money in for both both agencies. So the council process doesn't work and the, and the CAP Metro process doesn't work. So we got to do all that. And CAP Metro will bring the federal money into that equation. So the new board will be formed. To, and it's a design and construction board to oversee the projects. CAP Metro will ultimately run them, but you know, to get them built. And then, so that's how we're going to oversee what we want to build. And then the decision is, what are we going to invest in? So we got to invest in the whole map and we're doing that at once. That's ultimately, you know, the council, and the mayor, and our board to decide. Or are we going to just invest in part of uh, the system uh, this November? And we are doing everything we can to give them all that information. And we're hopeful that uh, they and the community at large want to see this investment come together. I mean, this overwhelmingly the support, like surveys and other things, have been done over the years to show people want a massive investment in transit. There's that, I don't think that's too debatable anymore. The idea of do we need it or do we want it is over. Now it's how we pay them for it, how much, and how fast. Mm -hmm. So that's, then, that's that's Project Connect. I know more to come on that. I know, um, and also we talked we were talking this before the show, but just what what if any initiatives that were paused or, or shelved were there? I guess any initiatives from Cap Metro that were paused or shelved. Um, because of COVID, that you're looking to restart, if any, um, or or things been it might have, might have been a short pause just because of shipping staff around, or things in terms of the, the business of the authority, um, you know, votes, procurement stuff. Is that th those things back on the normal cycle you'd have them on? Pre yeah, I, I uh, so we definitely took a pause on uh, hiring, and we dropped. I would call them more lower cost to medium cost initiatives and we put them on a deferred list. Um, not things that we don't think are important, but things that we just have to be smart with our money with, you know, what's, what's a nice to have versus a critical, critical element, some of that kind of stuff. So what we decided to do is really, we got we got to get some checks here to see how this economy is coming back and some health factors. Congress though, in the cares act provided cap Metro with $102 million. And that's not new money. So sometimes people are like, oh, you got all this new money. No, it was literally set designed by Congress to help transit agencies that will have no money. So our sales tax numbers basically crashed, right? And the sales tax is the number one funder of transit. So that's to backfill that. And ridership, well, when you're not having ridership and you're not start charging fares, you have no ridership revenue. Yeah. So it was really to stabilize us so we didn't have to cut service and lay off people. That's really what the whole factor was. 
So we also have a good reserve account that our staff has fiscally managed really well. And I give the board a lot of credit for, for working through that over the last few years. So we have a reserve that can help us through this as well. But, but overall, we've got the big initiatives rolling. So downtown station is under construction right now. It's outside the convention center for people that may not be totally familiar. But the red line as built needed, you know, it got done as a kind of a demonstration line, but it was a one, you know, uh, single track, one platform. That's being transformed into three tracks, two platforms, massive new station, big public plaza, all fully integrated with the convention center, uh, the park there and the city it's going to fundamentally transform the red line. And we're doing that. We're doing uh, a new electric bus yard up at North Ops, which is off of Burnett Road. That's going to be one of the first, well, probably the first purpose-built electric charge yards in America for electric buses. And we have 10 more electric buses coming this summer. So all of those kinds of things, uh, bus stop replacements, we're doing solar lighting for safety at night, all those bread and butter things and, and, and making the service better, we're full, full steam ahead because this community needs continue to invest in a better transit system. And as the economics come back, we'll continue to pick away at those other initiatives. And hopefully we'll be able to do something very significant with uh, uh, some type of affirmation and project connect in November, if that's what the policymakers uh, call election on. Very good. We'll be watching that. We'll definitely we'll put the information from the Chem Metro side about Project Connect on our show notes. Well, Randy, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, you and your team have been great in getting coordinating this and all the work I know you're all doing for uh, the awesome public. I want to thank you and love to have you back on the show uh, down the road. Just get updates what's going on with the authority. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you having me. Next time we'll do it. Like I, I'm in Casmo. I don't even have a tie on. I do. I do have at least a call. You know, like uh, I mean, you got to step up here. You got to get a call. But I know you're uh, you're a soup guy like me, so the next time we do this, we'll uh, we'll be suited out. And uh, and uh, I know you you got friends with the guy down at League of Rebels down there that I just <laughs> good shout out League of Rebels, the Second Street. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So we'll have to uh, we'll wear our, be our best stuff with a mask on one day, and we'll and we'll and we'll do that. I mean, I love to do. I, mean, I think originally, uh, and, you know, we have one of your folks, uh, Sammy, in the line as well. But we had we were trying to coordinate to do one on a bus. I know you had a, they were doing a show. Y'all had a like a just a tacos and transit yeah so uh i'm i'm always up for that you know we can just do that cool and get yeah we'll get, you, we'll get you out there it's uh i don't think the average person understands how good our bus system is um for the limited resources we have we're uh we're our team does a really good job of serving the community and uh you can really access a lot of stuff in the city on the bus system uh what what's not right is how long it takes because we don't have dedicated infrastructure we don't have enough service like frequency and that's what project connects address but yeah i'd love to get you out and uh you know we are beyond committed to safety and we feel very the vehicles are safe our operators are safe and we're going to do everything we can as the ridership comes back to keep everyone safe as well so uh anyone that's out there that use our system I, I you know they should feel secure that we are doing everything to keep everyone safe and for those that are ready to come you know we'll come back that that is our primary focus all, every day great Randy Clark, President and CEO of Capital Metro. Thank you for your time. Thanks, AJ. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.